to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Holman. And I don't know, if you'd like to send us questions and topic suggestions, which I love it when you guys do because it's so helpful, you can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, which is all spelled out, or on our Instagram at act2writers. And you could also follow Josh and I because we talk about writing stuff all the time. Um, I'm on Instagram at Story Thursday or Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram, and I don't think I talk about story things enough. I feel like I want to do it more. I do too. But I, I also like, I don't know if you're like this, but you know how there's always like, there's like Twitter screenwriting drama? I'm I can't find aware. it. I can never find it. I don't know what people are talking about, don't know what they're referring to, and I feel so out of the loop. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know, like, am I looking in the wrong places? Am I following the wrong hashtags? I mean, I just, I don't understand. I'll, I'll, I'll read some of these things, like the, the threads, and it's like, I was just having a conversation with someone, and it was like, has anyone's mind ever been changed through a Twitter thread? Like, have you ever gone into something and seen mm. a political argument, a screenwriting argument, on any kind of argument, read the thread and been like, you know what? I'm changing my mind. Has anyone in the history of social media ever had that happen to them? The answer is no, Tasha. You don't it's even have to think about it. because obviously Twitter sends you the things that you believe in already. <laughs> I'm pausing because I feel like Twitter has sometimes been like, oh, that's a good point. That's, I never thought of it that way. Oh, well, you're very <laughs> open-minded. In my mind, I'm like, no, nah, I'm already... I'm, I, I just more or less, you know, you read the comments and you're kind of there for... I'm kind of there for the, the back and forth to see how things go. And I'm just like, oh, my you're God. You're there for the drama. <laughs> yeah. But my Twitter feed mainly is just like retweets of the Act 2 podcast, talking about how much I love Spielberg, and an occasional uh, little thought here and there. So Yeah. It's beautiful. That's all to say. Come come on over and follow us on social media. If, uh, it's super exciting. If you want, what you're trying to say. <laughs> if you want to see me retweet about Amblin. <laughs> All anyway. right, <laughs> this week in writing. <laughs> Anything happened to you that was interesting? Yeah, Tasha, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so I talked to a friend. He's a producer. He's been at it for a very, very long time. We're having a nice little conversation. We played some tennis together. We're sitting down after tennis, and we we're talking about things I was working on. I was talking about things he was working on. And he basically said to me, that the only currency any writer has is their writing. I know this is really obvious, but sometimes you have to hear this again. And he proceeded to break down the ratio of scripts to production. He was like, for every 12 scripts you write, one of them maybe enters development. It was something crazy. It was some kind of mm -hmm. crazy number, and I, I, I'm not 100% sure if that was the number, but it was something where when I heard it, I was like, ooh, I need to start writing a little bit more. He basically just said to me, he was like, Josh, just keep writing writing, writing. That is all you can do. I'm telling you this. Just always have projects floating around. Always have scripts going. It was just a very good reminder that that is your superpower as a writer. That is the one yeah. thing you can do. You can have things. And we've talked about it a million times, but you just have to keep writing and having things to show people. Yeah. You stop, you die. It's like a shark. I don't know if it that's is. actually what happens to sharks, but I feel like I heard that. So can I piggyback off that? All right. Yes. Piggyback. <laughs> Okay, so this week, uh, a, a writer friend of mine who is a TV writer and has been her whole career, 
said to me, Tasha, I can't understand how you write movies. It's so hard. It's exactly what you just pitched. It's like, think of how many movies actually come out in a year versus how many scripts people are writing, trying to sell, or even that places have bought. It's not very likely that your script is going to get made or that you'll get hired to write a movie. So she's like, it's just so hard. Why did you do that? Like TV is so much easier. You know, she kind of has constant work as a TV writer because as we've talked about on this podcast a lot, you make friends and connections in every room you go to. They continue to rehire you. Um, there are just more options for TV. Mm-hmm. Like you can have a TV job for 20 weeks, 20 weeks of the year. You can make enough money to last you for the whole year and then you're done. And in that time, maybe that show doesn't get made, but you've just worked for 20 weeks. (laughs) Yeah. And you've made really good money. And then it just, you know, snowballs into another show because there's constantly shows being made. And it's just not the same with movies that just take longer to develop and to produce. And I said, well, honestly, I didn't know there was another way. I came in and I loved movies more than I loved TV. So I just wrote them and no one told me that there was another option for me. Mm. No one like sat me down and said, you can also tell stories in TV, <laughs> like stories that you love in TV. I just didn't understand those two things. And I don't, and it's, I don't know why. And I, I just think, again, my agents sort of just didn't take the time to sit me down and sort of explain my career options. They just yeah. kind of, okay, Tasha's going to write whatever she wants to write. And if she ends up sending us a pilot, we'll deal with that then. But no one sort of counseled me in that direction. And then as soon as I started writing pilots in in TV. My agent just was not good for me. He didn't believe in my writing. He didn't try to get me meetings to get into writer's room. So that was just a constant multi-year long hurdle that I didn't know how to get over because I was doing my part, which was writing TV pilots and he wasn't liking them. So he wasn't setting me up on meetings. So I just like couldn't access TV rooms. And now that I'm in them, it's like, yes, this is, (laughs) I'm going to convert you eventually, Josh, because you especially if you're not a showrunner yeah the pressure is so low (laughs) (laughs) your job is literally you go into a room for like four to five hours if you have a monster showrunner it's a bit longer but showrunners have been pretty good to keep rooms to four to five hours and you just talk about ideas and if the showrunner doesn't like them they don't take them but like it's not on you you just come and you leave and then you you live a life and You write an episode and it might take you a couple weeks to write an episode and maybe that's kind of stressful, but it's no more stressful than you at home writing your own script. So I don't know, like, I don't know. What you said just reminded me that there's multiple career paths that we really have to be aware of and it's, and features are so scary and so limiting in many ways. So just fucking do it all. I don't know. No, I, 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 I agree. I do have a question. Can you remind me how you got into TV? Why did you write your first pilot? I think I just came up with a idea that just felt like it was a pilot. Um, oh, okay. It was it was called Deadbeat Audrey, and Wait. what did yeah, I read this? I think so. It was definitely a network like supernatural show, which was about this woman who works in this kind of bureaucratic organization in the afterlife. And oh right, job right, right, right. To take in cases and like reincarnate people into the right new life, and yeah, I developed it, pitched it, and uh, it didn't sell anywhere. It was not great, but 
that sort of started me. And then I wrote that Mars pilot. Remember that mm -hmm. one? That again, yes. that was just an idea that came to me as a pilot instead of a movie. And and then my big my big break or like my big pilot that I ended up selling and became my main sample for TV was the movie that I turned yeah. into a TV pilot. Yeah, that's how that's how it happened. What's really interesting about that is I had forgotten about Deadbeat Audrey, but that seems like a very important part of your whole journey, which is yeah. weird because I reference a lot of your features still. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, this and that. And like, I, I, could, I could probably tell you every feature you've written. Right, I know. Which is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've blacked out a catalog of, of, of Tasha. Yeah. Okay. And I think too, to be clear about this little journey, not that we're doing a bio on Tasha right now, but yes, we are. Let's go. Yes. I wrote deadbeat Audrey and I wrote this Mars pilot and none of those got me work or interviews at all. But I wrote this one that I, I pivoted from a feature into a pilot and <clears throat> I still probably wouldn't have gotten any jobs off of that, except I changed my TV agent. I fired one mm. and hired a new one. And as soon as I hired, literally as soon as I hired a new one within weeks, I had an interview for a TV job that I ended up getting. Oh, so like that's he right. He was the barrier. It wasn't me. <laughs> it was him. So if you're finding that you're having issues with getting into TV rooms, look at your reps and see what's going on there. Yeah. Wow. That was a great This Week in Writing. I'm sorry. That was, yeah, that was a whole episode. Okay. No, um, that was awesome. Yeah, that's it. Did did this producer who talked to you about this, did it like put the fear of God in you or were you inspired? It was, I, I was inspired, I think. Yeah, because it's in your hands. Your fate is in your hands kind of thing. That's what's inspiring. But that it's also, and again, this is, I know, probably a whole other episode, but it's a lot easier said than done to be like, just go write, go write. Just, just keep pumping things out because sometimes people pump things out that are in the same genre. It breaks your brand. It, you kind of, you're going all, and so I feel like there does have to be connective tissue with what you're writing, but also it's very hard to, and when you're coming up, it's very hard to meet people. Mm -hmm. Like how, you're like, how the fuck, how do I meet this producer? How do I get my script to this producer? Like, it's just hard to do. So it's, it's, I get it. It's difficult. And, and, and like, it's, it just takes like a lot of grinding away to, to chip away and then finally have you know a relationship with your manager or your agent and be like can you send this to so-and-so or so yeah. you know but my takeaway is how many writers give up before this break like you're, yeah. like you're talking about ev if you, if there's a real understanding that everyone goes through this really long process of writing never selling writing no one caring about your shit yeah <laughs> but you keep writing anyways you'll eventually get there i mean the it's sort of like the oldest maxim in our business that the people who find success are just the ones who didn't give up and i feel like this story is just emblematic of that yeah 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 and lastly i'll just say as a reminder always have your next script in mind no matter what because you're going to meet someone they're going to love your script and they're going to say what else do you have and yeah. we've talked about this a million times there's nothing worse than saying oh well, i'm still figuring out between four to five ideas and this and that it just sucks it mm -hmm. sucks mm -hmm. it's like a gut mm -hmm. punch so yeah moving on moving on okay we got one last this week in writing we got a question from a listener that i thought was definitely worth talking about where they were asking whether or not we register our scripts with the wga and if not why not um, and is it worth copywriting 
any of your scripts. I, when I first started, registered my stuff with the WGA. And I think part of the thrill was just seeing on the title page at the bottom, WGA registration number, yeah. blah, 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 blah. It made you feel like this was a real script. But honestly, it does nothing. I think we do it because we feel like it protects our writing, that if we send it out to managers, et cetera, that if they decide to steal it and give it to one of their clients, I have a paper trail to prove that they got it from me. And while that is potentially possible that this could happen, the odds are so slim that it feels like an unnecessary waste of money at a time when money is probably tight. Mm -hmm. At least it was for me at the time. Um, but also it's no one, no one does it, I guess. Like, like no, absolutely. No, like no professional writers do it. It's just not a thing because also the paper trail is you sending the email, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's your documents on your, it's not a registration number. Copywriting is also unnecessary. That doesn't make a difference to anyone who's reading your script or, um, yeah, I mean that, that's my take on it. I agree. I completely agree. I, same thing. I did it early on and I haven't done it since. I don't know. I know a lot of people feel like it offers legitimacy, but I, 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 I just don't feel the same way. I mean, I don't think anybody, I don't think personally, I might be wrong, but I don't think any agent or manager would open up a script and see the WGA registration number and be like, oh, this is it. Like, this is like a legit writer. No, 100%. If anything, it says the opposite, just because, again, professional writers don't do it. So to see it is always an indication of someone who is usually new in the business and doesn't have a lot of experience in the business. Yeah, it's weird. The stealing idea idea things, is it's so tricky. It's so tricky. I know that um, I think my manager, when anyone sends him a script that he requests, I think there's, I think people sign things like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah, you usually sign something that basically says if for any reason something similar from your script ends up in a script that I am producing, yeah. that, is, that is pure coincidence. It is not because we stole something. And similarly, when I worked at Universal as an assistant, I literally could just not, I could not open the documents. I could not send them to my boss. If anyone sent a script, hard copy PDF, did not matter if it was registered or not. I cannot send it to my boss because of this exact problem. If anything, like if you wrote a movie about a car chase and it's similar to what ended up in Fast and Furious, yeah. now Universal has a legal problem, but it was really just coincidence. So often places just won't even read it if it's unsolicited, regardless of register or copyright. It's weird. I understand why it's there, but I also understand why it's not there. The WGA yeah. number. I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should we get into our main topic? I think we should. All right. Today we are talking about unhelpful thoughts that writers have. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I feel like maybe Josh, your unhelpful thoughts might be different or there's some overlap, but for me, it's usually self-loathing and jealousy, which actually usually go together. They feed into each other. We've already kind of talked about imposter syndrome, which is another big unhelpful thought I have, but I'm going to leave that out today because we just talked about it recently. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to come up though, but yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's all connected. It's all intertwined. It and this is an important topic because how often do we 
have conversations with friends, you're like, you just have to get that thought out of your head. Like, don't think that. Like, yeah. you can't worry about X, Y, or Z. This hasn't happened yet. Don't let your mind go yeah. there. That whole thing. Yep. I just had drinks with a writer friend last night, and literally the entire, like, three hours that we had drinks was just talking about our insecurities and our fears and all the unhelpful thoughts and both of us being like, no, but you're awesome and you're going to kill it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I message you and Dave all the time and something will come up and I'm like, I don't know. This is all going to fall apart or something. I like, Or you say yeah. that actually also all the time, which yeah. is funny, but it, you guys are just like, no, it's, it's fine. Stop because objectively, like it's like, no, it's going to absolutely work out. It's just yeah. you have so many emotions attached to it and so many disappointments that have come before. <laughs> That's the key. So many, <laughs> so many disappointments along the way that you're traumatized from all the disappointment. It's true. It's true. Uh, actually, a, a writer I was talking to the other day uh, was talking about how there's no champagne moments in our business. There's oh. never a moment where you get news and you're like, Pop the cork, baby. We're celebrating um, because there's always like a yes, but yes, we'll make your movie, but it depends yeah. on an actor. Yes, you your movie's going to get produced, but it's not the movie you wrote because mm -hmm. they changed a lot of it. It's like there's always a but and you get through the business because you love what you do, not because you can't wait to celebrate and get to the red carpet. <sighs> I actually have some thoughts on the champagne moments. I know we're yeah. kind of already going off track, but can I just can I just Please. say something about this? I'm a little conflicted because I don't personally like to celebrate yeah. uh, because I'm always in the sense or like the mindset where it's like, okay, great, we did this. Now it's on to the next thing. It's on to the next mm -hmm. thing because you don't want to get too complacent. However, I do feel like those champagne moments are. It's all more. It's also like it's almost like a personal accomplishment in your career because if you do something and you sell something it gives confidence in your reps and now your reps are going to push you to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing granted your movie might be a complete different yeah. monster that you ever imagined but for you personally you're off and running yeah so i would pop that champagne yeah i'm definitely in favor of finding the champagne moments even if they don't feel complete yeah um, but yeah, that's a constant struggle. I think we talk about this all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little bottle of champagne. A little one. <laughs> little one. Um, all right, where do we begin with unhelpful thoughts? Um, I think I want to start with jealousy because for me, when I when I think of that word, it takes me back to a very specific time in my life, mm. which was when I was an assistant. And I think since then, I've done a lot of work around being jealous of other writers. But as an assistant, this would particularly flare up a lot for me because I was at a desk where I'm seeing, you know, what writers are making for a week's worth of work, which could pay for years of living in Los Angeles just for a week or even like a weekend worth of just rewriting. And it was crazy to me. But also I would see these articles in the trades about new writers getting all these deals. And I would think like, what the do they have that I don't yeah why am I sitting in this chair answering someone's phone and they have a new overall deal at Warner Brothers right like why are they special and not me and I would just feel so bad all the time about all the things that other people were doing and the only thing it would do is make me depressed and make me disgruntled 
and feel like I wasn't good enough. And none of those emotions are helpful when you sit down to write, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not like Josh. I do not write well out of spite. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I need to learn how to channel my spite so I can write with it. But <laughs> I, Actually, you said something recently, and I'm going to tell you after the podcast, that was a little spiteful, and I was so proud and so happy, and I think it just got you going, and you were like doing something, and I was like, yeah. Like doing something out of rage. <laughs> you just reminded me. Anyway, please continue. Um, I think so. I just, I just think with jealousy, I had to remind myself, like every time I saw an article that would rile me up, like I'd have to say to myself. Good for them. I'm so happy for them. And I would just repeat that to myself or to someone else until it just became true, until I was genuinely happy for that person. Because look, we're not the only two people with a dream in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. Like if someone achieves their dream in this town, like holy shit, good for them. That's something to celebrate and to applaud because it is so hard to achieve your dreams in Hollywood. So the most like... I think the most freeing part of it all was you really start to realize that even if like a thousand other writers get a deadline article and they get a job and they get all the money, there's still a job for you. There's still yeah. a movie out there that you can write that no one else can. And just like Josh said in his This Week in Writing, you have control over your fate because you can just keep writing. Write that next script that someone will get really excited about. You just, you have that in your control. So those two things really helped me, this idea that everyone deserves to celebrate their dreams and that one person having a job doesn't mean there are no jobs for me. That sounds healthy. So you got over your jealousy by just kind of reminding yourself that there's a lot out there for you. It has nothing to do with you, as, a, as I think the reminder. It, yeah, nothing, yeah, yeah. It, is, it's, it says nothing about your abilities. It says nothing about where you are in your career. Um, I remember when I got my first Deadline article, which was like, that was the dream, was to like have something in Deadline. Yeah. All the comments were about like, oh, this person had it easy, and this person, there's a lot of jealousy, basically, in, in the comments. And I was like floored by that because I had put so much work into this mm -hmm. that was also a huge turning point for me because i realized that to have, for everyone else to have earned a deadline article they would also have had to put in so much work that the deadline article just glosses over doesn't talk about yeah and so it makes it feel like oh this person just woke up one morning and got a deal at warner brothers but the truth is, is they've been really working hard for 10 years before this happened. And that's just not in the article. It's not even hinted. And so um, it's just very skewed news, I guess, if you're just paying attention to that. Yeah, for sure. And that's if when you sort of realize like it's not real and just pay attention to your own path. That's very good advice. Yeah. So freeing. I, I definitely think in, in regard to the jealousy thing, it's definitely early on where you're, you're like trying to get going. You're trying to get like, I think this might fall in like every industry, but mm -hmm. you're just kind of like, what the hell is that person doing that I'm not doing? Like we yeah. had the same exact idea. How did this get through? And it's almost impossible not to have those thoughts. There is a way I, I, I've seen people go down some dark jealousy holes, some yeah. rabbit holes, and it really has messed with them. Um, but yeah, I think what you're saying is the correct answer. It's like, it just kind of takes time to, uh, get over it and, and, and just 
and just know that everyone's working very hard, I think. Yeah, that that's it. I, there are two instances that I'm like still working on of jealousy mm-hmm. in my life, which might be good to just talk about because oh, shit. They're, they're very different and illustrative of, I think, what is common with, with writers and how we feel. Like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to talk about it. I, I think we're going to start the clock and the therapy session has begun. Yeah. Yeah. It already began. Let's go. Okay. I'm going to lay down on this couch. All right. Um, The first one is this writer that I came up in the business with and we both joined the WGA at the same time. We became friends early on because we were like struggling with the same things. She went on to get huge studio movies, just massive. And I went on to get these like really tiny development jobs that would like pay my rent for a little Mm -hmm. bit. But then I really had to start pitching for my life to get that next paycheck. And while she was working on studio movies eight years ago, I'm only just writing my first studio movie this year. So that's the difference between our careers. And negative feelings would always kind of flare up around seeing this writer's name pop up in the trades on a new thing that they were writing or attached to. And yeah. It was really just because I was like, well, why don't I have that? It's not fair. We joined the WGA at the same time. We're technically at the same level. Like, why did she rock it to the moon? And I did not. And again, it was that comparison thing. Like, why them and not me? Which is never helpful. Because you have no idea what they're putting into it, what their writing is like, what situations or people they know. It's it's, it's such a, a... Sisyphusian battle. Woo! Okay. So the right question to me became not like why them and not me, but what's the one thing I can do today to advance myself? Why them and not me? That's an answer you'll never get. It's luck, it's chance, it's a million things. But the one thing you can control, again, thematically, as Josh was saying, is like, what can you do today to make yourself a better writer or to put yourself out there to try to get a rep or to get a job? Like, what is the one thing you can do today that makes you closer than you were yesterday? And that really helped me get through those feelings because maybe it's like there's, (laughs) you could color that as spite, Josh, but it was like, okay, you you see that deadline article about that person, you're like, okay, I'm going to put my head down today and figure out what I can do because I know I want that. Um, And that helps motivate you rather than pulling you back and just feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah, it's a good reminder that we're in a marathon. Like you have to always be grinding and and chipping away and and going because you don't know what you did last week if that's going to impact you in one year from now. You know, it's it's hard. It's so hard. I know what you're saying. You, You see these things happen and you're like, damn. What, what did that person do that I didn't do? Yeah. And I know it's cliche, but I feel like you look back at where you came from and how you came up and it all feels like it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Like if I had gotten a huge studio movie eight years ago, I might've bombed it. And like, no one would want to work with me because I'd bombed that studio movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and maybe I needed to build up my abilities and my talent before being capable of this like I, I don't know it's just um the comparison thing never works no. so the second person that i that i have struggled with is this person who was a <laughs> was a writer that i thought was like a solid writer i feel like you know who i'm talking about um i, I a wish solid you writer gave names i wish we were just <laughs> no, t- blowing no. this like so this is you know jane smith over here <laughs> 
<laughs> so Jane is this really shallow writer, even okay. though she was a solid writer. Um, but there was this sense of like, she never, she never came to her stories with like, what do you love? It was, well, studios are looking for a Western. So I wrote Tombstone meets Galaxy Quest. And you're like, okay, I can see that in this, but what do you care about? What is this about? And my weird kind of snobby moral center is like, people like that can't do well in this business. Like, how can you do well at writing if you have no soul? <laughs> this is what gets me upset. But yeah. then this person, I started seeing them appearing in like Instagram at parties with executives that I had met with and at, they're at major companies and they would talk about, these executives would talk in their Instagram posts about like how much they loved this person. And I'm just like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, since then, they've been hired on multiple TV shows. And my brain just kind of goes to, that's not fair. That's not how it should be. That person does not deserve success when there are so many other people who write from the soul and do not have a job. But then I remind myself, her path has nothing to do with my path. Her path works for her clearly does and my path works for me and there is literally never going to be an intersect <laughs> like it doesn't matter what she's doing yeah and the success she has is like she has her own version of what her dream is and she's achieving it and i'm happy for her and it has nothing to do with mine so that helps me let it go and um i feel like i've been riled up in this but i swear i have learned to let it go <laughs> I, I i i think i know we've talked about this before i think and mm -hmm. i I know that you've you've let things go, and I also was kind. Of, I actually think I know who you're talking about, and I remember being like, "That's the type of person who will steal your fucking idea and yes. not think twice about it." And I remember having yeah. that thought and talking to you about it because we were in a mm -hmm. scenario and a setting once where people were kind of chatting about ideas and et cetera, like what they're working on and this and that. But going back to your point, yeah, that's the healthy route to go. Just be like, "Hey, this is their version." They're doing their thing and, you know, cool. Go it's, with God. It's rough though when it is someone who you feel like is not a good person. <laughs> like this is not a bad person yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah. by the way. It's just no, like, no, no, of course. It's, there are writers who like, you just really want to see succeed. And like everyone in our writers group, like I love them all. And I will be so 100% happy. There's no sense of like, jealousy or why them not me everyone who in our writers group gets success i'll be so happy for them purely but this person who was like <laughs> someone who like when they get success you're like mm, eh, is that really for you yeah 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 <laughs> i i definitely know some people like that in in different areas of the entertainment world where they're just they're they're trying to hack the system and, and in some cases it works and it, they can work people and they yeah. can like people and executives and producers whoever will throw that person up in Instagram and they'll know that that person needs positive reinforcement. So they'll start posting about how great so-and-so is. And, and it's like, you see it from afar and you're like, holy shit, what is going on? Whereas like you have all this yeah. behind, you've been like doing all this work with someone and this person's never said anything nice about you, like that executive or, or something. Where yeah. It's tough, man. It's so weird. Can I just say it's never more freeing though to like do something helpful to your arch enemy. <laughs> it's never like, more freeing, to, freeing to like to be able to let it go enough that you put aside those feelings and are just like sure i'll help you with this thing i mean unless they're you know they're asking for help to destroy the world we're just talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. writers here <laughs> i help people get jobs 
who uh, I, aren't particularly my favorite people, but it's it's a part of the this practice of you happy for everyone and there are jobs for everyone. And the more you realize that, the more comfortable and centered you will be. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And honestly, I feel like this is a very common thing. This is why we're talking about yeah, this. I feel exactly. like a lot of people feel this way. Um, and so it, it is important that we're we're kind of covering all this stuff because... I'm so glad you said that because I feel like this episode is just going to come off as Tasha's petty... No, not at all. Is, that's the title of this episode. <laughs> no, not at all. This is the... Enter- the in the entertainment industry, This is this. it's like... Do you know... It's This world is so difficult because... And I'm, I'm speaking as someone who... Again, not just writing, but also like this happens mainly in writing. But like if you're an actor, you're a director, we all we have friends in this world. It's like you're seeing other people like do things that you're like you want to do. And it's so hard to do. And then it's being thrown up on social media. It's thrown in your face and it freaking yeah. kills you. This is why so many people burn out. This is why so many yeah. people have feelings that they have and they're just hurt and they just think about quitting and why it's 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 insane. But yeah. it's also what makes the entertainment industry so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's different that way than any other job because it is so flashy and so public. For sure. That's why that, people um, have so many it issues. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> so I'm going to do a quick pivot. Yeah, please. I'm going to go into like the whole self-loathing thing. Yeah. Because I feel like that's where I definitely had lived in like the, in the sense of, oh my God, what have I done? What am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. What am I not doing right? And I, I was thinking about like a self-loathing example. And the one that came to my mind was um, I had written, which is the script I've talked about often on here, I Fuck James Bond. Yeah. And I remember I had wrote it. We tried to sell it. Nothing happened with it. And then like a year later, a movie called The Spy Who Dumped Me came out. Yeah. And it was basically the exact same premise. Two friends that one of them sleeps with uh, a James Bond type and they go on this bonding adventure and like the beats were the same. The mm-hmm. the moments, it was so weird. And, and to watch it, I was just like, I, I, it wasn't even like I didn't enter like this land of jealousy. I entered like this land of like, wow, what did I do wrong? I must be mm-hmm. the worst writer of all time. Like, what the hell? Did, like, something happened there. And I remember being just, I was rooting for the film because I wanted action comedies to be successful and it didn't do as well as I hoped it would do. But yeah. at the same time, I was also like bummed with myself. Like, I was just mad at myself. Like, I could have done something differently. And I yeah. think I, fi- I fall in that category a little bit more than, I mean, not so much, but I, I have to. I can catch myself before I like go down that road and be like, okay, I'm, I'm cool, I'm fine. But mm-hmm. that was the one example I thought of where I was like, oh my god, I'm terrible. And then you yeah. just live in that space for like a week. Yeah. And by week, I mean like a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I feel like with those in particular, when it's something that comes out that either you would kill to write that thing or you had an idea similar or oh my god why didn't I come up with that because it should have been my movie to write yeah I think the thing that's helped me through that because I absolutely will spiral um, used to spiral with those kinds of thoughts is has been but you're also working on something you love right now so that's okay there's always going to be the next thing that's something you love and that's okay and that's the same with you like 
I, that movie would have been great if it was yours, but you have since written so many other things that were super fun, super Joshian that you put your heart into. So there's always the next thing that you will love. I'm going to just go one more step into this <laughs> since we're here. Fuck you, Tom Shea. You don't know me. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Because, no, I, um, one, I, and the, the next level to that is like, I, I was listening to interviews with like the writer and director and they would talk about how no, they came why up. Why did the, you do this to yourself? <laughs> because, because that's just what I do. I'm like, I'm going to just beat myself down as much as I can. Yeah. And, and them talking about, well, how did you come up with this idea? And then like hearing them be like, well, you know, I don't know. It just, it just kind of like funny. It just kind of came to us. And we're like, we've never seen anything like this. And that's where it starts like really setting in where you're like, yeah. oh my God, this can't what be happening. What if they were like, we read this script. That <laughs> <laughs> sucked. That sucked, but we knew we could do it better. <laughs> we figured we could elevate this really terrible idea. Anyway. Well, I had a mini breakthrough this week in self-loathing. Oh. Which may or may not help you. <laughs> um, Great. <laughs> uh, so I had a notes meeting with this big director and uh, on a script that he's attached to. And he starts the meeting with, really great job on the script, Taja. I hope you're really proud of yourself. And I was thinking, yeah, like I am proud of myself. <laughs> this was hard. And then he starts getting into the notes. And at first he just kind of asks me, hey, why did you open the movie this way? And I explained my thinking behind it. And he replies his thinking behind why he wishes it was different. And mm-hmm. okay, like it's actually an opening we've talked about on this podcast extensively. So mm-hmm. um, he liked a different version. So I'll probably have to let that go. But then, like, the note session takes a turn, and he just starts getting really blunt. Like, the dialogue in this scene, I can't imagine an actor saying it, and it feels written, and it's cliche, and it's childish, and I like to do elevated stuff, and this isn't elevated. And I was like, holy shit, I cannot mm-hmm. believe he's giving these notes. Like, it's no big deal. Like, he doesn't know that he's crushing my soul. Yeah. And he's not a jerk. I want him, like, Mac, that clear. He, I, as he was delivering them, he was saying them in a nice, cool, calm way, but it was just extremely blunt. And I'm sitting here dying. The self-loathing is really creeping in fast. And then he says, so just do a pass on the dialogue and age them up and elevate it. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I can do that. Wow. And it made me realize that the reason I feel self-loathing when I get notes, when I feel feel like I want to die because I've just received like an eight page notes document. It's because it feels like what people are saying is that you're not smart enough, that you failed. Mm-hmm. And this is related to, to what you were talking about with self-loathing. Like with notes, it's I found this problem in your script and you're a moron for not seeing that problem too. Yeah. It's so easy to, to go there. It's so easy to fall into that. Um, but this guy has so much experience. He was just like, yeah, like you'll fix it. Just do a pass on the dialogue. It's it's fine. Just know that it's childish right now and you'll make it better. And that's really what you want from everyone who gives you notes is that confidence in you that you can do it. And it makes me think of actors, which Josh, I'm sure you can relate to SAG as card. a SAG actor, yeah. <laughs> um, where like if you come in and you have this like bright, shiny performance and they're like, yeah, it's a little too bright. Like we're really hoping for a character that's a bit more brooding. Like let's look for someone else. And the actor is like, no, like if, just give me the note and I can be more brooding. I can be whatever you want me to be. And I think that's how it feels as a writer sometimes where mm-hmm. 
you know, like if you just tell me it's childish and give and, and tell me that, hey, I believe in you. You can just do yeah. a pass and fix it. Then I'm like, oh, the self-loathing goes away. And suddenly I'm operating from a totally different place. So I don't know. That is a lesson for me in self-loathing of, of where it comes from and why it, it surfaces for me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, this, this, this industry just kind of promotes self-doubt, self-loathing, jealousy. Yeah. It, but you just have to rise above it. Easier said than done. Yeah. Especially because there are also so many people, by the way, who like get off on making people feel bad. So just don't work oh with my those God. people. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's people. Yes, there are. I th- we've, I'm sure we've both both encountered these people. Where it's like that someone in a place of power who really feels like putting someone else down is the way to keep themselves in power as yeah. opposed to like elevating someone else. And yeah. those are bad people to be around. Those are bad but people. Hey, if you follow this Ten step path of jealousy and self loathing by Josh yeah. Hallman and Tasha Hugh. You yeah. won't be that person, and then we'll stop perpetuating these things. No, totally. Step nine. We have. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we. I just want to do. I just thought of two other. Yeah. Quick unhelpful thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> but I know we just really narrowed in on jealousy and self loathing. <laughs> sort of the main ones for me. Yeah. <laughs> unhelpful thoughts, and I, I was messaging you about this, but like the idea of. If you're having self-doubt, which kind of ties into maybe some self-loathing, maybe some jealousy, and I, I, I think we both know people who've kind of pivoted into um, writing in a different voice or mm. trying to copy someone else's style that might be successful in your in your world, which is fine. It's it's a great to if if you're learning new things. I've read J.J. Abrams scripts and I have literally taken exact formatting from him. I'm like, wow, double dashes all around. I love that. But what I mean is like when you, it's really easy to read successful writing and almost like steal someone's voice. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a fine line between making it your own voice and someone else's voice combined into one. Does that make sense? It does make sense. What I'm saying is just don't like chase something, someone else, like stay true to you as opposed to trying to like mimic someone else yeah don't chase it yeah i remember very clearly in high school my english slash writing teacher pulled me aside after class and i loved his class because i got to write a lot of creative writing and stuff and he was like tasha your writing is so good um you know you really should should continue with this writing thing and i was like oh thank thank you thank you and he's like but you write like everyone else. <laughs> he, was oh. like, he was like, you you have taken on the voice of the people that you've read and I don't see your voice in here at all. I mean, it's good because you're copying these other literary giants that you've read. Yeah. Like, who are you and where is that on the page? And I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know that like voice was a thing at that stage even, but it was a huge sort of knock on the head for me about how you can be a good solid writer but still not be an exciting writer who's true to yourself. So yeah, if the J.J. Abrams double dashes helps you with your voice, take it. And yeah. I do. I I have also stolen that. Um, but don't try to write to someone else's success. Yeah, the voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think that in kind of going back into like unhelpful thoughts yeah. about it, it's like you have to, it's almost like you look at someone else and mimic their yeah. everything because you think that's what will make you successful. Right, totally happens yeah. absolutely by the way your story sounds like like a 1998 movie 
you know, where at the end, like the I mean, I think it was girl, in 1998. <laughs> the, the young girl is told this wisdom of like, you need to find your own voice. And then you just flourish once you find it. Sounds, like a, Tasha. sounds like a great movie. But yeah, that's that's it. Those are my thoughts on all this. Yeah, I think those are great. Those are all the unhealthy thoughts that we definitely experience and that I think everyone experiences. Because again, I had three hour drinks last night of someone who's experiencing all these things as well. So important to talk about. And I'm just going to go on the record one more time. Writing out of spite could be considered an unhealthy thought, but it is not. <laughs> I can't wait for your interview and, you know, your first movie gets made. And it's like, so where'd you come up with this idea? Because fuck that guy. That guy yeah. fucking took my idea. <laughs> and I just wanted to fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's what? Well, <laughs> All right. Quote of the day. <laughs> Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Carrie Fisher. Please remember to rate and subscribe. <laughs> follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. Hey, and I'm Josh Hallman on uh, Instagram and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm-hmm.